We are packed today. Trent Dilfer going over everything. I've got my top five things from week six in the NFL, my top 12 as well in college football. NBA will do more on Wednesday with the night starting it off on Tuesday, but Sarudi and I did a playoff draft as well. And we have life advice and an announcement from Kyle. Ooh. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-health.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-health.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Let's talk week six. The five most important things that I saw from this weekend at NFL football. We got to start with the Chiefs hosting the Bills. Now, it's a battle for the one seed and the way the standings look at now, which I'll start doing more throughout the season, even though it can be irrelevant at times, is where we are at in the AFC. Buffalo, after that win at Kansas City, the one seed in the AFC. Kansas City is two. Who is number three? Plucky Tennessee. Every time you look up, you're like, hey, look at Tennessee with a higher ranking. Uh, going in, I wasn't sure that there was going to be an outcome to this game that was going to make me feel one way or the other, other than I just think these are the two best teams in the NFL, right? It's the two best quarterbacks, the two best teams. I know Philly won again last night. I just don't think Philly is as good as these two teams, and I think that's totally reasonable. But I wasn't sure there was going to be an outcome that was going to make me think different, right? And throughout the game, that's kind of what was happening. Oh, the Bills are moving the football, then having some problems in the red zone, which is unlike them. Uh, and then Kansas City having their own issues at times. The whole first half wasn't much offensively. I like the Bills' defense better. It's better defensively. It's not much of a debate, even though I love a lot of the personnel changes that Kansas City has made and some upgrades there. And I think that defense will only get better because of so many young players that are playing. Uh, but then you get the Von Miller factor, Milano, the linebacker, who really kind of, I don't know, unheralded or whatever you want to call him. That guy's a stud for Buffalo. So it's back and forth, back and forth. And it really is the modern version of Brady and Manning because we are this lucky that we're going to see Mahomes and Allen face off for what, at least like, seven years at the at the least and, and beyond that um, because of how young they are and how special they are. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be Brady and Manning on the resumes. Brady's resume to me is unobtainable. Uh, Manning perhaps more obtainable, at least on the Super Bowl wins. Uh, statistically, you know, we're talking about the third, third biggest passer in NFL history. The difference is this is like if it were Brady Manning and they were the sickest athletes ever. This is the best version of the modern day quarterback where I can burn you with a run, but I don't need to do it but I'll bring it out when I need to. And that's why any running quarterback that comes into the league, I'll be like, that's awesome, but you got to do all the other stuff first. Use it as the extra thing, an extra weapon, not the main weapon. And that's the key of why Mahomes and Allen are so good. Uh, one of my favorite stats that I'll track all season long, how do you do on third down conversions? How do you do preventing third down conversions on offense? Buffalo and Kansas City are number one. 
And it's the same feeling for both fan bases. The other team has a third and eight, third and nine. You're like, eh, normally I feel good, but not going up against one of these guys. And that's that's the difference. You want to talk more stats? Buffalo right now with this win is number one in offensive and defensive DVOA, which is basically um, you know, a stat that they use to try to make everything as even as possible. It's, it's adjusted for schedule. Uh, that is the first time an NFL team has been number one in both those categories after week six, the first time since Tampa Bay in 2003. So we've covered it. It's the best two QBs, the best two teams. Uh, Kansas City, I thought Romo brought up a great point that if you want to look at some things they don't do as well, because Kansas City's defensive stats are going to match up the Buffaloes, even though it looked like they did a really good job against Allen through most of the game. But Kansas City's having some problems here. Don't know if it's a real thing. Don't know if it's just the short part of the season against number one receivers. Uh, Mike Williams went off. Pittman had a good game. Evans, Adams, and then Diggs went crazy yesterday. And as Romo was saying it, Diggs hits for a touchdown. Uh, you can argue, hey, we were down a corner. Welcome to defensive back depths or the depth charts in the NFL at this point of the season. Tampa Bay was missing three of theirs. Pittsburgh was missing three corners and Minka Fitzpatrick. So it's part of it. Um, we try not to use injuries too much as an excuse. Sometimes you can't say it's anything but injuries. We'll get to a little bit later. But in this case, I can understand that Kansas City part of the argument. The best part of this is that now it feels like the AFC will run through Buffalo. And I think an even better part of that, other than just what we feel like could be home field advantage, although it feels super early, to just assume, oh, it's going to be in Buffalo and Kansas City is going to have to go up there. It's that if it were the other way around, if Kansas City ended up being the number one seed and you'd have a rematch of Buffalo at Kansas City, if you're a Bills fan, you don't have to hear about how, well, can the Bills really get it done down there in Arrowhead? You know, even though both of these games are about as close and as even as you could get them, and I wouldn't say that there's some weird hangover. There'd be some storyline bullshit that you'd have to deal with, and now you don't have to deal with that because, one, the Bills won there, and... You know, if it were to work out, you'd feel like, hey, they already beat him in week six, so why can't they do it again in the playoffs? But, you know, it could be a really cold game for Kansas City going up there. And honestly, Buffalo should be 6-0. and I know there's plenty of teams that could play that game where they start messing with all the what-ifs in their schedule, but that Miami game was such a fluky, weird win as we had covered before. <laughs> Number two, the NFC contenders. How do you feel about them? Well, at least the ones we thought were going to be contenders. Let's not focus on the standings now as much as Tampa Bay. They lose at Pittsburgh. They're three and three, though. They're still first in their division. The Rams are three and three. Green Bay loses to the Jets, and the Niners lose to an Atlanta team that's also three and three. Atlanta's another one of those teams where every single week you're like, wait, Atlanta's in this game? They've been in every game this season. So the Niners on the injury front, that's where I actually think we can apply the injury excuse because by the end of that game, it was brutal. I'm going to sound familiar, Niners fans. So I'm going to put the Niners off in a separate category because I don't know what to make about my concern with them because I still think defensively when all the guys are there, it's one of the five, maybe three best defenses in the NFL. Green Bay, we're going to get to. Let's focus on the Rams and Tampa. But before we do that, if we look at all four of these teams, look at the scoring drops from last season to this season. Tampa averaged 30 a game last year. They're at 20 a game, minus 10. The Rams were 27 a game last year, 17 a game this year, as far as their offensive scoring output, down 10. Uh, Green Bay, 26.5 points per game, now 18, minus 7.5. The Niners down about 5 points from 25 points per game to 20. So that combined from those four teams, their scoring for last season compared to where they're at this season is a combined 32.5 less points per game between those four teams. Brady, his lowest QBR since we kept track of the stat. 
Was it the wedding with Kraft? How does that affect the legacy rankings with Bill going back into Cleveland 30 years later, 31 years later, and getting a win against uh, Jacoby Brissett with Bailey Zappi? Still need more data before I feel comfortable about the legacy rankings because apparently Belichick didn't go to the wedding. I don't know. Do you dock, do you dock Belichick for that, for not being a better friend? Again, I don't know. Sarudi could probably comment on that a little bit later. Um, right now, Brady's yards per attempt is kind of low, but it's been low before, so that's not the thing that jumps out. I think, to be fair to Tampa, if we're still hanging on to what this team could look like in the second half of the season, the O-line has been juggled all over the place. The receivers have not been consistent enough. It's another game where they look dead offensively, and then they're a two-point conversion potentially pulling this off again. We saw the same thing against Green Bay. It didn't work either time. But Leonard Fournette is their leading receiver right now in receptions. But Tampa's still in the NFC South, and they're still in first place, and they'd actually be a three-seed today because of that. So as bad as that's looked, I'm still more worried about the Rams because their O-line's a mess. They're 27th in yards per play. They're actually behind the Houston Texans. Their number two receiver is Ben Skoranek as far as reception totals, and Stafford with another pick six. He's 6'8 on the TD interception split. I don't know how that gets fixed, and I'm more worried about what their division can look like if everybody else is right more so than the NFC South. Number three, we mentioned Green Bay in the offense. Now, this game is actually a little fluky. You get a block kick, block punt, but there's some stuff going on with Rodgers here that is real, and that is his problems with the deep ball. Let's go and take a look at the next-gen stats. Rodgers on balls with 20-plus air yards. All right, so that's 20-plus yards in the air past the line of scrimmage. From two, uh, excuse me, 2019 to 21, he completed 36.5% of these passes. All right, these are his deep shots. That's a good number. His touchdown interception split was 28 to 4. His QB rating was 116. This season, he's completing only 20% of those passes with zero touchdowns prior to the Jets game. He did get one yesterday and one pick, and his QB rating was 35. He was two of seven on those throws. But the excuse very easily could be the thumb injury. We saw that it was taped. We saw that Jordan Love was warming up on the sideline. So that actually be a, the kind of injury where you hope it's the thumb because Rodgers has not even been close to being the same guy and no Adams on those throws, which changes a lot. And that's after losing to the Giants and Jets back-to-back weeks where you're thinking, should I be excited if I'm a Giants fan? Should I be excited? Look, the Jets, you should just be thrilled they wanted Lambeau. All right? Like, that wasn't supposed to happen. But Green Bay, whoever they are this week, this is not the Green Bay of last year and the assumed Green Bay team with Rodgers that's still a really tough out. <laughs> Number four, moving on to the New York teams. Uh, the Jets would be a five seed today. They're four and two. Their wins are against Brissett, Kenny Pickett, Skylar Thompson, and then again, Rodgers. So there's no, there's no part of me where this should be misconstrued as like, yeah, you beat the Packers. Oh, I guess it is sounding like that. You beat the Packers, and, but whatever. All right. Maybe Rodgers is really banged up. But you won, and you're the Jets. So you haven't had a lot to hang your hat on recently. But we can find a way, and the NFL community does tend to do this a little bit, where when the quarterback you're not sure about, which usually means when you're not sure about, they're not going to be that good, more often than not, right? There's very few times where two or three years in, you're like, oh, this guy ended up being awesome. It can happen. It doesn't happen that often. And that's more of the case with Daniel Jones. It's way too soon on Zach Wilson. But if Zach Wilson in a loss completed 10 to 18 passes, people are talking about Zach Wilson in a negative way on a Monday in local New York talk shows. They're going to be like, this guy, all right? 
He went 10 to 18, and that's why it was a little bit fluky. They get the win, that's fine. And again, that Jets defense looks like it's real. It's top 10 in a lot of stats right now. The Giants on the other side, that's an incredible comeback against Baltimore. And as great as Lamar was in the first month where he was MVP, what, of the AFC that first month, he's had a few games now where, you know, you say, hey, he's missing some throws. That last pick was brutal. But look, Mahomes had a brutal pick as well. Uh, at the end of the game, it can happen. And the Giants come back. We've talked to... Ted Wynn about the stuff that they're doing. They're just trying to keep things a little bit more in check. But Daniel Jones has gone three games without a touchdown. I think he's had over 200 yards just once in a game. So nice wins for teams that we didn't expect much from. We knew the Giants' schedule was going to be easy the way the NFC East lined up strengths of schedule-wise against everybody else. Uh, the Jets being 4-2 and two in itself is just sort of a miracle based on expectations. So it's, it's kind of good. I guess you could just say straight up it's good. But don't let the wins trick you into thinking that you know you have a quarterback. Wilson, too early. Jones, I'm not changing my mind. The last thing I want to get to, number five, Jack Easterby. Let go uh, today by the Houston Texans. This guy's got an unbelievable career. I'm going to tell you a story. So he was the character coach with Kansas City in 2011, the team chaplain. He was with the Pats for six years. And then he all of a sudden got hooked up with Cal McNair, um, ownership with the Houston Texans where he then oversaw personnel like real NFL front office stuff. Once Bill O'Brien was gone. Now, Nick Casario was there as well. So I don't know that he necessarily had the final say on this stuff, but he was involved in all these things. And I think, I believe from what I'd heard, he'd sold himself on like, look, I've been around the past six years, the Belichick process, all these different things. Like I can help. And he got close enough to ownership to get this power and have a title that nobody ever saw coming. Like when he got that gig, I talked to a couple of different Pats people that were like, wait, what? <laughs> like he's, he's like doing their draft board and shit. Like that's weird. Nice guy. Hell of a nice guy. But that's weird. And it reminds me of a lesson. Uh, this isn't a secret to people who've been listening to me for a long time. Maybe people that, have, you know, just caught the show the last couple of years. When I started out, I didn't want to be on the air. Right? I didn't want to be on the air. I had real no desire for it. I wanted to work in a front office. And when I sent out, you know, a million resumes and all this stuff, story I've told them too many times, I was strictly about, well, how can I work for a team? And the irony of how it all came together is that the one minor league baseball team that wanted to hire me because I was going to do sales, they were like, we'll put you on the air for a couple innings. And I knew how hard it was to get on the air, especially back then where you can't just buy a microphone now and be like, hey, I'm on the air. Uh, to get somebody to actually say, I want you to talk on the air for real on purpose and there's going to be a check every two weeks for it. That was an incredibly hard thing to do. So I thought, all right, if these guys are offering me this, which doesn't make any sense, and that's, again, a very long story, then I'll just go ahead and do that, throw it on the resume, and that's that will what will happen. But I'll try to work you know, somewhere in the gray area on some of the personnel stuff. But there's no personnel stuff when you're at minor league baseball. They're like, look, we just want to sell everything, sell tickets, sell ads, and there's no – the only time the minor league team is asked about like a player, it's like, is he a drunk or a dick? And I wasn't in charge of that I. So anyway, I moved to Boston and I still really want to work for a basketball team. Okay. That before I was like, maybe I'd work for a baseball team. I mean, that's how locked in I was with all of my skills. I was like, maybe I'll do front office for baseball. Maybe I'll do it for basketball. I mean, again, it didn't really make any sense. Nobody believed in it and it didn't happen anyway. So we don't have to worry about it. But I met with an NBA GM and I basically was like, how do I get in? I don't want to be on the air. How do I get in? And he's like, really, the thing you have to do is recruit ownership. Again, I'm 27, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? In my head. 
He goes, you need to find out who the owners are and get to know them. And if you can't get to them, find people. If this is really what you want to do, your lifelong dream, find the people that would potentially own a team and get in their ear. He's like, that's probably the only way that you're going to be able to do it. You didn't play anywhere. You didn't coach anywhere. You've never worked anywhere. You bring almost nothing to the table. So your best bet is to find a way to recruit ownership. And I left the lunch going, I think it's great this guy took the time to do that. I, you know, much appreciated something somebody did for me 20 years ago. And I, you know, can't believe the guy took the time to take that lunch. I left as confused as, as I was like, what, how, so what do I do now? Like, I just start asking people if they're rich enough and want to buy a team one day. And I start telling them how smart I am about basketball shit. Like that makes, you know, again, 20 years later, I'm on the air. So it didn't work out. Easterby's the fucking king of this, man. Because that's what he did. That's exactly what he did. Nobody could figure it out. Nobody. Have you seen some of the videos of him talking? Like again, he seems like a really nice guy. If you're a team chaplain, like there's a way that you're connecting to people. But that's what he did. And he almost pulled this off. Or I guess you could say he did pull it off. But the problem is for any organization, especially something that's this important, you know, that's why fans and there can be so many struggles about what a team should or shouldn't do and what it really means, because it feels more like a public trust than private ownership. And there's this emotional attachment to it that's beyond any other corporation, right? It's a difficult relationship because it should be more clear, but it isn't clear. And the reason it isn't clear is because it matters so much, which is actually a good thing for business. But if you have a team that you own, you're like, yeah, let's give this guy a shot. He's been bugging me. He hung out with Belichick. He walked around in Pat's hoodies. We'll figure this out. To put yourself in that situation is something you would think most teams would want to avoid, but not impossible. So keep trying, kids. Tip off the NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Plus, FanDuel is the only sportsbook that's giving all customers three months of NBA League Pass when they make a $5 bet on the NBA. Then you can watch all the action as you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to total. So we know that part of it, night in and night out. But how about some of our future bets? All right, Rookie of the Year, Palos plus 200. Jaden Ivey's plus 460, hearing very impressive things about Jaden Ivey, uh, just the stuff that he does. Uh, Keegan Murray's plus 460 as well. I think Paolo is going to run the offense through him, so he has the best chance for stats, and he's the number one pick. Uh, I'm going to go Embiid plus 600 for MVP because Giannis probably would have won it last year had there not been Giannis fatigue. Jokic wins it. If Embiid's healthy and that team is good, there could be a little Giannis-Jokic fatigue. I think plus 600 is the play there as well. So there's two different things there. So don't miss out on your chance to get $150 in free bets plus three months of the NBA League Pass with the promo code Ryan, R-Y-E-N. Please use that promo code. Let them know that we sent you. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Must be 21 and older in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Mondays with Trent Dilfer. Always a treat. All-time showdown yesterday in Kansas City. Allen gets the win against Mahomes. I don't want to guide you in any direction. I want you to have the floor here about what you see with these two guys. Like, Give me what you think is like the most interesting discussion or the other QBs, the other people in the NFL that you talk with after getting to watch those two guys battle for three hours. I think there's a couple things. 
number one, I think it just goes into this greatness bucket. And um, Parcells used to say the word great gets overused. And I agree. I agree with him. And like when I was on TV, I'd find myself saying it and be like, that was stupid. Why did I say great? That was really good. <laughs> right. But with these two, it's greatness. And greatness is making the nearly impossible look easy. Like if you really want to make great hard to achieve, then it's making the nearly impossible look easy. And that's what these two do. The second part of it would be what other quarterbacks are saying. Because I think you got to realize, like, you know, you have some pretty talented guys that are, you know, some Hall of Famers, some multiple Pro Bowl guys that are on TV talking about the position. Uh, you have a lot of us that are, you know, on this fraternity and we're texting each other, or we're commenting on stuff, and we're all blown away. You know, it's like we're watching it going, hey, I, you know, I did that one time in practice or and I thought about trying that, but never really was going to try it in a game or um, whatever the conversation is. And, and they're they're doing it routinely. I mean, these two guys are do, routinely doing stuff that other quarterbacks say to themselves. Yeah, I can't do that. No matter how much I work on that, no matter how much I really thought about it, no matter how much courage I have, I, I don't think I would do that. Uh, and, and they're just doing it consistently. I mean, I think Josh, his physicality, it's almost like he's got I'm trying to think of a good Steve Young and Ben Roethlisberger in one body. <laughs> I think those are the two, right? Can you picture Steve Young's great yeah. historic runs, his toughness, and his not going down and his stumbling into the end zone? And every play felt like life or death with Steve Young. And then Ben Roethlisberger, who just seemed like a giant, he looked like I remember in his prime, he was just so much bigger and stronger and more physically confident than any other quarterback. You kind of combine those two, and then he's got the same arm as a Herbert, the same arm, and then he's got the art, artistic qualities that Mahomes kind of brought into the league. It's like you're looking at the ultimate quarterback, and then you're like, oh, gosh, he learned a lot of this from the guy he's playing against, Mahomes, who is stupid, silly good, and still does things that you can't believe. Um, now the, and I'll stop here and then we can, you can reteam here on something else, but it was the first time too, I saw Mahomes get in trouble trying to do too much. Cause I used to say, well, it makes Mahomes so incredibly hard to stop is he does all the stuff that most would, most coaches would call reckless, but he's hardly ever reckless. Like he doesn't make a lot of mistakes doing the sidearm off platform, whirly dervish, jump in the air, throw it back across his body, no look stuff. He's made very few mistakes doing that over the last handful of years. Yesterday, he made two critical mistakes doing it, and he didn't have to do either one of them. The one in the red zone, he should have just thrown away, backpedals, create more time, tries to throw a 50 50 ball, gets picked, and then the one to end the game. He doesn't have to do that. Like, there's nothing. He, in fact, he misses, he loses sight of the guy that picks it because he's trying to do too much. So that one, and I'm not criticizing him because, again, I led with he hardly ever gets in trouble doing this. But yesterday was the first kink in his armor on that highly artistic, creative, blow your mind stuff that he does routinely. I remember, again, years ago, uh, I asked, Steph Curry on an interview, I go, do you get bored sometimes? Cause yeah. I've watched enough that I knew he got bored in games and he'd be like, let me try this. And he laughed cause he couldn't say, yes, I get bored in NBA yeah. games and try stupid shit. But if you watched him enough during the prime, you knew it was absolutely true. And him laughing to me, like confirmed it. 
I don't want him because Kansas City lost and be like, oh, Mahomes. I, I do think there have been times, other times in his career, where you know the interceptions last year, if you really looked at him, especially the first half of the season, I think half of those were like bad tips. And it was like, yeah, yeah. it's not like he's not see. You know, Mahomes all of a sudden couldn't like, became a guy who couldn't see the field. I thought a lot of them were unlucky. But I do think there's a looseness to him that is a much, it's much more of a positive than it is a negative. But I don't want a Monday after with Trent, we start going, oh, no, he needs to be a little tighter, a little tighter, because I would never want no. him to be tighter. I would never want him to be tighter. I mean, shit, that play that got called back because of the awful, awful pass interference, the offensive pass oh. interference on Kelsey, like the yep. scramble on the play that you were like, or maybe it was an incompletion. There was that one scramble that it wasn't going to matter. And it was such a stupid play. Like I would never want him to to rein it in because there's still way too much of a benefit. Uh, and what was yeah, it was just a bad read. He didn't see the second defender. He throws a pick at the worst possible time. But whatever. I totally agree. And I please hope nobody heard me saying I was criticizing. I, I'm in awe. In fact, I, no, if I was no. Just, yeah. If I was his coach, I would actually the last thing I ever say to him before the game kicked off was, "Hey, just go be you. Don't try to be anything but you." Yeah. Now, I do think there's part of this that kind of Andy Reid's genius is also his Achilles heel. It's that he sometimes doesn't play conservatively enough. He doesn't protect his guy. And that yesterday, they only called 14 runs. Now, I think they had 18 rushing attempts because Mahomes ran four, four times. They only called four runs. And this goes back to the Eagles days when, when Andy would get criticized. And I thought it was rightfully so. He becomes pass happy. And, it, you know, last week they ran the ball really well. I think it was somebody can look at it. I think it was like 180 something last week. And now this week it's 14 attempts. I think one way you can manage Patrick and manage it, not man, it's a terrible way of saying it, limit some of the negatives that could come with Mahomes' creativity is have more runs, have less people in secondary. Like, there is still something very true with rushing attempts. It brings more people to the line of scrimmage. If more people are near the line of scrimmage and Patrick goes and becomes Patrick, there's less people on the secondary to defend what him and his receivers are doing. So I do think for the Chiefs to win the whole thing, that run volume has to be in the mid-20s every game. It cannot be less than 20. Yeah, they were talking to Pacheco that he was using him more, and he had he had two carries. Uh, they have two really good backs. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, but I'll ask you, my favorite running back ever is Charlie Garner. Oh, he was awesome. Charlie Garner, every handoff was like the last handoff of his life. Yes. It was like you went to a guy and said, this is the last time you're ever going to get to touch a football in a game. And that's how he ran. And you could argue, hey, that wasn't always the greatest approach at times because there was no, like, let's see what develops. He wasn't going to wait to ever, but he was going to run. He was going to hit that fucking hole as hard as anyone I've ever seen. You missed him in Tampa, right? You were already gone by then, correct? Yeah, but we played when he was in Oakland. So, wait, but you were never teammates. You went up against No, I was never teammates. Never teammates. I think there's some Pacheco stuff there. Nobody's ever going to be Charlie Garner to me, but I love the ferocity that we saw from him. And again, that's not why they lost the game. Josh Allen went right down the field against what I think is an improved Chiefs defense. So I, I left, as I said in the open, there wasn't really going to be an outcome where I spent Monday rethinking how I handicapped the Chiefs and Bills. Agreed, but if, if you treat every game life or death, which I really do believe you should when you're okay. one of the best, I, I believe... I believe you treat every snap like it's life or death, like it's the most important snap of your life. I think that's part of building championship culture. 
then you sh- the Chiefs should check themselves on the play calling distribution yesterday. I think they should learn from it. They don't have to be critical. You don't have to bury your head in the stand. They're still one of the top five teams in the league. But you're like, okay, if, if we don't call losing, losing, if we call losing, learning, which most championship teams do, then we're going to learn that our DNA this year is without Tyreek Hill, it's multiple tight ends, it's ru- high rush volume, it's more play action. Uh, it's the way they played last week. It's the way they played a lot of these games this year without Tyreek Hill is you can do this when you have Tyreek Hill because it only takes one to become a home run. Like yesterday, think about this. If the Bills tackle, they don't get two of those touchdowns because <laughs> those are just missed tackles. Those weren't explosive throws. Those were two missed tackles that got them, that got them touchdowns uh, to Juju. So I do think this has to be a more physical, I don't want to say ball control when you have Patrick Mahomes, but physical bring people close to the line of scrimmage. If I was just talking from 30,000 feet about the Chiefs, I'm a fan. I'm watching. I'm like, oh, good. A lot of defenders around the line of scrimmage. We're going to be fine today. Oh, a lot of defenders out there in space. Uh, this is going to be tougher sled. Like, you just want to bring people to the party because the more people that are at the party, the more damage Patrick's going to do on those throwing opportunities. Let's talk Philly. They're undefeated. Of all the coaching staffs, and we're not even just talking about this year, but like as we've we've seen college influence go up to the NFL and, and sometimes it's looked like wait this isn't going to work like is is this staff doing the best job with Hertz and the stuff that they're doing where it's it feels like the best adaptation and granted they deserve all the credit last year too for just going hey we've got Jalen we've got to figure this out we've got to fit this to him like where is this is this the best fit we've seen from some of those concepts with an NFL offense yeah, and I and I really I appreciate what Baltimore does. That they, they do a nice job as well. Uh, just because they've kind of played cruddy the last couple of weeks, I don't want to forget how well they've morphed um, the college flair uh, into the pros. And both of them have a yes. And I'll speak more specifically to the Eagles. But no, you're right. Thing though. That it, I'm glad you said that though, because yeah. I'm I'm asking not knowing the answer, but. You can't answer this question without acknowledging what Baltimore's done the last few years. So, good yeah, job, and I right? think and I think Baltimore made it okay. That's the reason I always go back to them. And when he was with the Niners, they he was the first guy that made it okay. Like everybody in the NFL needs permission to do something. Very few coaches have the courage just to go try something on their own. It's a copycat league. You've heard every analyst say that for as long as I've been alive, and it's true. That's why everybody says it. Um, he was the first guy, and again, I'm forgetting his name right now, so I keep saying he, the office coordinator in Baltimore that was in San Francisco, Roman? great coach. Yeah, Roman. Uh, he was the first guy that kind of made it okay to do this stuff because he did it with physicality, and I think that's the key piece here. There is no longer NFL college. There's NFL physicality and college physicality. The NFL, you have to have a certain level of physicality to how you play offensive football even if you're talking screen game like you'll see in the sec they'll run these line of scrimmage screens and it's pretty it's way more physical than the acc watch the acc do it it's way more physical than conference usa right that's fair you watch the nfl do it and it's like sec on crack it's a whole different athlete going out because it's the best sec lineman who's had seven years in the nfl to understand it he's the one blocking down the line of scrimmage on a safety or a corner 
Um, you see the triggering of the secondary players, like an NFL safety, an NFL corner that's triggering on this stuff is a different breed than what you're seeing in college. So what doesn't, what's not college and what's not NFL's physicality is just a whole nother level of physicality. So now if you can find these college schemes, these misdirection read RPO schemes and match the NFL physicality with it, now you're onto something because the NFL isn't used to, to, we saw last night, Parsons not used to reading these things all the time in the NFL. He probably was when he's at Penn State, but he's not used to now. They're not practicing against it every day. You're only used to playing against what you practice against. And it's very hard to replicate that in practice when you're back up. I know he's starting now, but you're back up in practice is Cooper Rush, right? When Dak's there, or I know who their third string guy is. You're not replicating against a Jalen Hurts type player. So I and that was way too long to answer that question, but it's this great blend of NFL physicality with college bells and whistles. And then here's the secret sauce to it that I heard one comment last night. I'm glad he said it. They said, wow, another great read by Jalen Hurts. And I went ding, 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 ding. Like I'm a coach. We run this stuff. The secret sauce to it is the quarterback's decision-making. It's the same as reading down safety rotation, split flow, Trap corners. It's the same intellect that it takes to read a coverage, to read the box and the guy you're reading and his movements. And is he six inches away from the end or is he 18 inches away from the end? Is his weight on his back foot or his front foot? Is he is his angle 45 degrees at me or is it flat down the line of scrimmage? And these are all decisions you're making when that ball's in the belly of the back and you're eyeballing the guy you're reading and you can't be wrong. And Jalen is a master. He was a master at Alabama. He was a master at Oklahoma. And he was a master at the Elite 11. Like when we studied him, we were like, this is the best read player we've ever seen because one, he's a son of a coach. He's a football junkie. His IQ is off the charts and he's a grinder. And he, you know, he's all these things and a powerful athlete. His decision making in this read game is. It, it's second to none. I mean, he re, his consistent reads, if you graded his reads, and it blows you away because most guys are going to blow two to four reads a game, right? The best yeah. ones are going to blow two to four just because it's so fast. You really don't know. And a lot of them guess. A lot of them like, oh, I want to run the ball, so I'm going to put it in there and then I'm going to keep it. He His read percentage of correct reads is off the charts. Yeah, that touchdown to Devontae was so – like it was just so quick and the execution was perfect and it still felt like, hey, maybe all three decisions are the right decision because it was just such tight execution. And I know with a lot of the spread stuff over the years, we've kind of argued like it can look really different, but some of the best teams are the ones that were like, no, we don't run a ton of different shit. We do it out of different looks, but a yep. lot of stuff is the same. A lot of the routes are the same. A lot of the stuff is the same. And it's it just feels like, you know, I think there'll still be a game where Hurts is probably in the playoffs going to have to beat somebody with some deep throws, and that's yeah, that's different than the decision-making part of it. But their crispness, their execution, you know, Parsons was in a bad spot and then lanes out, and then Parsons almost, you know, gets him back in the game by himself, which is a whole different conversation. But I just think there's a there's a, everybody being on the same page with this, where I still feel like when NFL teams would do a lot of this stuff, it, it felt too loose at times. It was like, hey, we want to throw in some of these 
RPOs. We want to do some of these reads, but we don't really want to fucking do it. We just want to make sure we're doing it. And there's a Christmas to Philly's execution that I think is really special. Well, there's a learning curve to it, too. It's hard stuff to learn. Like, you got to have a guy on your staff that's done this for 15 years and seen all the adjustments. Uh, I would argue I study football as hard as anybody out there, and it's taken me four to become adequate at understanding it. You know what I mean? Adequate. Like, I could talk about it. We can do it at the high school level to high level. But, I mean, I wouldn't pretend to be an expert on this. If I was in college with the NFL, I would hire somebody that's been around it for years and understands the nuance and the adjustments that go along with it. I think another interesting thing, I said this on the herd that is interesting about the Eagles. If you're going to take a skeptical look at this, if you're a skeptic, then look at this. Look at their explosive plays right now. They have a high number of explosive plays. The NFL book as it gets written on the Eagles in the regular season stays at about a three or five week book. Okay. It's about three to five week cycle. You study on teams and you get into the late in the season, the playoffs, I would say post Thanksgiving, that book extends to eight, nine, 10 games, coaches, GAs and quality control guys will, and analytics guys will expand the book on the opponent. By the time you get to the playoffs and it's life or death, then that book is the entire every snap that's ever been run under this staff. And usually what you try to take away first is explosive plays against you. And if the Eagles, if they start dwindling in explosives, that would be the NFL book being written a little bit more on this offense and taking away some of the big stuff. Go back to Kaepernick's Niners, uh, even Lamar Jackson to a certain degree. This misdirection, call it college, call it whatever you want to do. Its greatest asset is the ability to create explosive plays within the run or really kind of high completion passing game that comes off of it. Um, And when teams start figuring out, like, wait a second, we don't have to take the bait. That's the term I use around here is like when when teams don't take the bait, all of a sudden your explosives go down. And it's going to be interesting to see as this book gets more written on the Eagles offense, if that's the number that decreases because if it is now what you said about James have to beat you with drop back pass stuff because the only other way to get explosives is through the drop back pass game or play action pass game. Who are you more worried about green Bay LA Rams or Tampa Bay? So I thought about this answer. You gave me a heads up and text me on this one. I'm not worried about any of them considering how crappy their divisions are. The most I'm worried about is are the Packers. One, because they're the Vikings, who I do think are pretty darn good in five and one. They're the one good team in that division. But the bigger reason it's the Packers over the other two is they don't know who they are offensively. Uh, they have a massive identity, identity crisis right now. It's almost as if they had this decision to make when Devontae left. Like, okay. Are we going to be this quick piercing passing game and just have other guys do it? Or are we going to be more of a heavy high volume run team with Dylan and Jones and trust that we have one of the greatest quarterbacks that's ever walked on earth, make big, big chunk throws down the field. Maybe the volume goes down a little bit, but the impact of the throws go up. And when they played well this year, that's been their formula. High volume runs, establish the line of scrimmage, get piercing chunk throws down the field. 
it had some drops, tons of drops. So a lot of this is identity crisis plus receivers not playing very well. I think that's six yesterday. But yesterday, and some of these games they haven't played well, it's been a poor execution, but it's also been, oh, let's, but well, wait a second, we really liked who we were with Devontae. Let's go do more of that, even though we don't have Devontae, and these guys can't do it. And I just think they have an identity crisis. Like, I, I, I don't know when they're biased. I haven't looked at the schedule, but it's almost as if they need what Tom Brady did in Tampa last year. Or is he at Cameras last year or the year before, where it was just distinct, drew a line in the sand at the bye week. This is who we're going to be. This is who we were. That was kind of fun. They really didn't work. I'm glad you guys had your chance to kind of say what we're going to be. But now I'm going to tell you who we're going to be moving forward. And they went on some great run. I think that's going to ha- need to happen in Green Bay is Aaron's going to have to go in there and say, okay, this is where a Hall of Fame quarterback puts his foot in the ground and says, this is who we're going to be. This is who we can be. And we're not deviating from it. Yeah, you're right. Two years ago when they won at Tampa was 75 by week, one, four straight. Go ahead and yes. win the Super Bowl. Green Bay's by week yes. 14, week 14. Oh, that's them, a little so. late to do that. Yeah, that's <laughs> they might not be in the playoffs if, they, if he has that talk in week 14. This might be a today thing. <laughs> I uh, I want to talk about like an, another thing here, another concept, because you know Russell Wilson. It felt like his biggest concern was that he just wasn't allowed to do everything he he wanted to. I heard you know, look, they wanted a bigger market, um, whatever. Uh, it hasn't worked. I hope he's hurt. There's no way he's this bad, this this young. He's still too young to be this bad. But do you have anything? I don't know how how long it took your career where no one was going to kiss your ass anymore. But uh, <laughs> <never>. <laughs> what Denver clearly was like, we're just going to do whatever you want, man. And then here's here. I don't blame him. Like when you don't have a quarterback for a long time, especially Denver feeling like they'd blown so many great defensive rosters where like we can't even get average quarterback play. It's like, fine, what's the bill? Here's here are the assets and we'll pay you whatever you want and we'll throw it a million times in the red zone. We're going to let Russ cook. He's going to have all these numbers and all that different stuff. Do you have any stories, maybe as a backup of like, the balance between the quarterback getting his way and then perhaps getting too much of his way. And in this case with Denver, I still think it's a little early. It can be framed this way for Russell Wilson. But if he if he's not, look, he doesn't look healthy. I can't imagine he's going to miss this many throws the rest of his career. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But I do think there is some conversation around going, hey, we're going to do whatever you want. And then you're like, yeah, maybe we regret this a little bit. So, but I'll, I'll spin this question i think to answer what you're really looking for i played for two hall of fame coaches in uh uh tony dungy and and mike holmgren and the quarterback never got his way in fact that's kind of a core philosophy is really that yeah you don't give the quarterback his way because not one person's more important than the rest of the team or the organization and i agree with that philosophy now, Holmgren was very quarterback-centric, and he'll build the team around the quarterback, but the quarterback doesn't get his way ever. Like, if the quarterback asks for cream of mushroom soup at lunch, you're going to get chicken noodle. Like, you're not – there's never going to be anything that happens on the team where the team can say, oh, that's because the quarterback wanted it. Because now I think you break down the fabric of what football is at its greatest, which is everybody buying into something bigger than themselves. As soon as selfishness and one guy, one guy's agenda starts getting put up other in front of others, well, now you you have distrust. You have, well, why is he more important than me? Um, 
the economics are already hard enough to deal with. The players know how to deal with that. The economics of football is easy because parent players just say, that's the position, right? You're a pro bowler at that position. That's what you get paid. I play a different position. So that doesn't become, at least in my time, that was never really that big of a thing. But when a player starts getting special treatment and he is viewed by the organization as more important than the rest of us, that's a problem because we're all sacrificing our bodies. And that's the thing people don't. Now, I get it. I understand the argument. Well, they make a lot of money. They should sacrifice their bodies. I, I agree. I don't regret any of my energy injuries because I knew what I was signing up for. I was getting paid a lot to do it. Do it. However, we're still doing it. Like it still hurts, right? You're still dealing. You know that you're taking years off your life when you're playing in the NFL. You know you're not going to walk great. You know you're not going to go play Little League with your kids. You know your days of pickup basketball are over. You know a lot of limitations you're going to have at my age because of what you did when you played. So when you're in the heat of it and you hurt and you know you're making sacrifices for the betterment of the team and Johnny over here gets whatever he wants because he's more important than you, now you got a team conflict. And I think that's that if there's a mistake, and it, I do think it's a little early, but if if indeed Russ is getting his way and he's running that show, which I don't know if it's be true or not, you're going to have an issue with the team because that's the thing NFL players can't handle is they like him more than me. He's more important than me. I want to finish with college. Hendon Hooker. Go. So much more fun to watch than NFL football. The pageantry, the it's just more fun to watch. I'm not saying it's better, it's just more fun to watch. Um, he's ridiculously good. I happen to know the staff really well. Alex Golish, their offense coordinator, and I have become really good friends just because Middle Tennessee and recruiting and all these different things. Really admire him as a person, as a coach. Hype's done an incredible job, but they brag about Hooker for his professionalism. Like we have a professional as our leader he's getting but he works on every aspect of his game he works on every aspect of his leadership like he's a guy you trust and he's only getting better these were off-season conversations and you're seeing it in the season now like he was kind of known for some shrapnel in his throwing like it was kind of like this up and down and now he's just so consistent He's another guy who's doing a great job in the read game, and they have really a complex read game. They have a three-level read game, so they do a lot of choice stuff on the on the third level. Those receivers are making decisions ten to fifteen yards down the field, so he's he's making those reads. He's making the mid-range level where they're reading linebackers in the RPO game, and he's making line of scrimmage reads because they are running some zone read, power read, other type of read stuff where you're reading on the line of scrimmage players. So they have three levels of reads you're doing. He's making them almost flawlessly. His explosive qualities on his, what you'd call chunk throw accuracy is really good. Like these are just like jump balls. These are in stride inside release seam routes. These are go balls that have three yards of boundary that he's working with. He's dropping over the outside shoulder. These are back shoulder high and away throws that are, perfectly placed and like it's 
it's really, really impressive. Like when he misses a throw, you're like, oh, I haven't seen that in a couple weeks. Hey, um, I want to jump. I want to jump here on the deep ball stuff because his his gauging on like where the ball is going to go on the deep shots is really, really impressive. Now, I think Caleb has him in the RPMs. Um, I think Stroud has something where it just pops. Because I was thinking about it, you know, I've watched almost everybody now at this point in the season. I'm asking you because I'm not sure if I'm right or not. But if, if I were going to say the three like deep ball guys are the guys that impress me the most, like Hooker doesn't have the Caleb RPMs, but the trajectory that it takes on its way and how dialed in it, it is, that's almost as impressive as the way Caleb can just rip it. Yeah, Caleb has the most horsepower. CJ and Hooker, as they're neck and neck and in their anticipation of the deep ball. Is there somebody CJ's else I'm missing? Not in the deep ball. If we're just talking deep ball. Those are the three. Those are the Bryce, three guys. Yeah, Bryce is more of a mid-range intermediate. I mean, he has a good deep ball, but he's more of the, he's going to kill you at 25 yards and under with his twitchiness. But the, those three are the three best deep ball guys. And CJ and Hooker do it very similarly. They really throw it early. Like they, they really anticipate those throws. I always talked about, it was a fun term when I was at ESPN. I would, I would come up with anticipation accuracy numbers. How many yards did they anticipate the throw? And it's super easy to figure out. If you have NFL rewinds, you can do it, right? When the ball's coming off the quarterback's finger, where's the receiver? And then when it's completed, how many yards of anticipation accuracy was that, right? Yeah. I can take Sally. And she can run up. She can have me run up 12 yards, turn around, throw it at my chest. There's no anticipation accuracy, right? I'm a target that she's throwing to. Sure. But but now you're running for four, two and you're 22 yards down the field. And that ball's completed at 46. That's 24 yards of anticipation accuracy. That's a lot. Uh, You see a lot of anticipation accuracy with Stroud and with Hooker. Stroud's a little higher. He puts a little more air on it. Uh, Hooker throws a little flatter, which I'm not saying one's better or worse. Um, but yeah, it's it's incredibly impressive. And what I love about both these coordinators, and, and they would be saying, Trent, you need to say this, you need to say this. A lot of it has to do with the receiver play too. The receiver play is very disciplined. It's very well coached. Uh, these guys can finish. Um, you have a lot of guys who can run fast. You have a lot of guys who can run fast and finish consistently. Both Ohio State and Tennessee has put a premium on guys that can finish down the field. When you are running that stack with Hyatt and you get Alabama that many times, how does that happen? How does it happen to Alabama? They kind of force you into it. Sure. Because they they force you to play two over two or three over two. And if you're playing three over two, it's other stuff you're getting. That's why the genius of Goldfish is... And again, I don't want to give away his secrets, and I don't really know them all. I've just studied it. But he's never wrong. So the way they teach their passing game, they're never wrong. So when you get the two over two, you're getting aggressive throws. When you get the three over two, you're getting conservative throws or runs or RPO. So that is a very, 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 very well thought out scheme um, that has a lot of nuance to it. So you watch the replay, you're like, oh my gosh, how could Bama line up with their safety on the switch release again on the on the receiver? And Nick Saban was like, Well, do you really think that's what we wanted? Like he's probably <laughs> his press conference saying, like, hey, do you think we're all, you know what, idiots? And that's what we're actually trying to do. But no, they forced us into that because of other stuff 
that was going on because I've seen teams play the three man rush drop eight against this and they'll rush the ball for 295 yards. Right. Yeah. So no, you're right. Like you're right. That, that's the genius. He's taking spread bullish. If somebody put a gun in my head and said, a non for answer, a quick, decisive answer on what makes him so good. I would say he's combined power principles with true spread offense post snap. It all happens after the snap. If you're Alabama, you're thinking Will Anderson is at some point going to, if you're, if you're trying to take this many deep shots, but I, I this is a, the dumbest thing that I'll admit. I have certain personnel groups that their uniforms make me think all their whenever and it's a Tennessee offensive lineman in that orange. I just always think they're awesome. Like every time <laughs> it's the same thing. My worst example of it would be any edge guy for the Baltimore Ravens when they're in black. I'm like, oh, that guy's making some plays. And then I'll look him up and be like, that's not even the guy that I thought it was. There's certain uniforms that make me think certain personnel groups, like for Georgia's secondary, I always think those guys are awesome. They usually are pretty good. So it's it's not the the biggest reach. Um, LSU <laughs> defensive ends, I'll always be like, oh, that guy's nasty. And I'm like, actually, yeah. no, he's been a huge disappointment. Um, yeah. It's, this would be a fun one. Yeah, I yeah. think you're 100% right. If I had time to prep for this, I probably am. We'll do it another time. We'll do it another time. But Tennessee old linemen, because of that uniform, I'm like, man, these guys are real glass eaters. Yeah, they're all first-round picks, man. (laughs) They have five first-round picks there. No, I know. You're right. Yeah, there's something, too. Like, I'm thinking Oakland Raiders back in the day. Like, Oakland Raiders defensive ends were all 6'9". In my yeah, life. right. LSU has something to it because I remember <laughs> when I was I was with a coach and an opposing team. We went out and got some food the night before, and he was like, "Have you looked at their two deep on the D line?" He's like, "There'll be a guy that doesn't even play, and then he comes in and has seven snaps. He's like six six from Lafouche, and you're just like, who the fuck is this guy?" Um, no. And again, whatever. All right, so yeah, that'll be another exercise. I want to talk Bryce Young later on. We'll do a little bit more college as we have more of the season. So this is a lot of fun, Trent. Appreciate yeah, it. Cool. And by the way. Right. Uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, eight and zero for Lipscomb. So keep keep grinding. We got a rival this week, man, and they're good. And we got to go to their place. I did not sleep this weekend. My wife was out of town, so I had game planned all night, both nights. All right, well, we're not going to ask. You can, we'll break it down next week. Good luck. <laughs> See you, brother. All right, bye. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock. Hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time. Said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options, protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. It's time for my college football top 12. Just to let everybody know, I did this late on Saturday night into Sunday morning before the polls even came out. So 
Uh, I think that's kind of important because I, I want to do it before I see what everybody else has done. So I still have Ohio State number one. They're number two in the AP in the coaches poll. Uh, if you want to tell me they haven't played anyone because Notre Dame isn't that good, I would agree with you. There's not a lot there on the resume. And yes, I'm giving them a benefit of the doubt. It's Notre Dame, it's Arkansas State, it's Toledo, it's Wisconsin, it's Rutgers, it's Michigan State. Uh, if it was a different team in the Big Ten that had their point differential, which is number one in the country, if they were beating all of their teams by 30 points and that was a resume and they hadn't been good in recent years, I probably wouldn't have them number one overall. I also would like to, as I point out, sometimes it's, have you done something awesome? Who do I think would win head-to-head? What is the cost of a loss? What is the cost of a second loss? And another one of my rules that all contradict each other, which is impossible to do this again without contradicting yourself at some point. I just like them. I like them better. I like them better than everybody else, and that is subject to change. I like their offensive unit better than any other team in college football. And I still think the defense is going to be really good. Uh, They have, and this is going to get ugly here, they've got Iowa at Penn State, which doesn't feel the same. We'll get to when we get to Michigan. At Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland. And then they finish up with Michigan at home on November 26th. So that's it. What if I think they're really good? I do. They're killing teams, like I said, number one in point differential. And the winner of Tennessee, Georgia will probably jump them for me. Okay. I have Tennessee number two. Let's spend some time talking about the Vols. Coming in, Saban was 15-0 and against Tennessee as the Bama head coach. He beat him in 07 his first year when Bama was a 6-6 Independence Bowl team when they beat Colorado, right? So you're like, wait, he got him that year too when that was the only year anybody got Bama? Uh, we could ask maybe Bama isn't Bama. We'll get to them later in the rankings. Uh, but Hendon Hooker is incredible, okay? Uh, he should be your front runner right now for Heisman. In the AP, it looks like I have, yeah, Tennessee is third. They have 15 first-place votes. The coaches put Michigan ahead of them. Tennessee's fourth there. To beat Bama at home in the way they did with all of those ghosts, I'm going to add it all in. I don't know how Bama gave up the most points in a game since 1907. I guess Jalen Hyatt lining up in that stack formation and having five touchdowns has something to do with that. Looked like the corners were lost all day for Bama. Um, again, Willie Anderson, Will Anderson, excuse me. That's that's one of the few games where you're like, wait, I feel like I'm not hearing from him that much. I'd have to break down the all 22 to really see, which I'm not going to do. Uh, it was 28-10, but you're always like, man, Bama will get back into this. And then it looks like the Tennessee's given the game away and the fumble touchdown. Uh, they win it with the kick. The ghost of Bama, what this game has meant. Remember, that's their that's Bama's assigned East-West matchup every single year, right? Third Saturday in October. And I'm old enough to know that like Tennessee always mattered. Tennessee always mattered. And now, uh, certainly on one night, they mattered again. And when you look at the rest of Tennessee's resume, you know, win against a pit team that was ranked at the time, beating LSU's doors in at their place, 40 to 13, that is actually a good win. Stop if you've heard this before, but LSU's actually a pretty talented team. I don't know who was playing quarterback for them in Florida yesterday, but that guy looks pretty good. So The Ghost of Bama we've covered, this team has been out of the national spotlight for a really long time. There's been fluky, we hope. There was a game day appearance where I went there and they lost. They hadn't finished in the top 10 since 2001. Prior to that, they'd finished in the top 10 eight times in 16 seasons. This team always mattered. And like Nebraska ever having a win like this and feeling like they matter again, that's kind of what this is for the South. I loved this for Knoxville, okay? And the 
thing I struggled with the most, <laughs> this is, by the way, their best in-season ranking since 2001, was if they had lost this game on the Riker kick, I'm like, I might put them ahead of some other undefeated teams. That's how impressed I've been with them all season and Hooker and certainly on this night. And then we'll see what happens against Georgia. They have to go there on November 5th. Number three, Georgia. They beat Vandy 55 to nothing. Moving on. Why is it Michigan ahead of them? I picked Georgia against Michigan. Uh, we were waiting for a Michigan game against a ranked team. They beat Penn State 41-17. It felt like 50-10. to They're actually trailing going into the second half in this one. First time trailing in the second half of the season for Michigan. If you watch the game, it was entirely fluky. It was the weird turnover that gave them the touchdown. Penn State was number five defensively against the run in college football. They gave up 418 yards on 55 carries. They got gashed by Donovan Edwards and Blake Corum, which is a terrific running back duo. And J.J. McCarthy's a sick athlete. He's completing all of his passes. Maybe some deep ball stuff there, but I still like the receivers. This is a really good football team. I just have Georgia ahead because I think Georgia stomping Oregon week one is more impressive than beating Penn State in this game. So I can understand an argument with maybe moving Michigan up a little bit higher. I'm just not going to. Penn State now is 0-10 versus top 10 schools since 2016. Number five, Clemson. They're good. I love the front. Don't love the secondary. Uh, let's check in on DJ Uyunglele. 55% of his completions last year, six yards per attempt. He finished the season nine touchdowns and 10 picks. Since the weight game and his rushing element, this guy's been a much better quarterback. The guy we thought we were going to see when we all fell in love with him in that Notre Dame game. Completing 64% of his passes, eight yards per attempt, 17 to two touchdown interception ratio. This is a good football team. Number six, Bama. Without Bryce Young, they lose this game by 30 points. But with Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs, and I don't know why Gibbs didn't get a couple more carries there later on to kind of run clock and maybe get a little bit closer. That kick attempt possession kind of went sideways quick there. Um, I think it's the best running back quarterback combo in the country. I would listen to maybe two or three other teams argument-wise, but I'm just not going to. So if you want to tell me it's not the same old Bama, that's fine. I like Bryce Young even more now after this game. That guy's insane. I can't believe how good that guy is in the pocket. He's almost like Mahomes if Mahomes were better. I'm kidding. Uh, like we talked about, the defense mess all day. 15 penalties against Texas, 17 <laughs> against Tennessee. Uh, you can say they screwed up the punt, but that went even, even on the other one. I don't know about the pass interference, a smaller corner on a bigger receiver. Draped all over him. You're not gonna, you know, the call's not going to go your way. Uh, they're still going to win the West. Have fun next week, Mississippi State. So I have Bama at six. I struggle with TCU and UCLA. I switched it. I'm going to go TCU at seven with three straight conference wins against ranked teams. They look dead this week against Oklahoma State. Unbelievable comeback against Oklahoma State team that's really good. Uh, UCLA will put them at eighth. They're ninth in the AP. Two ranked wins. Washington, meh. But Utah is a nice win. Let's stay in the Pac-12. Oregon at nine. I don't love where they're at because of who they've beaten. Arizona, Stanford, Washington State, BYU, we thought was a nice win when they were 12th. They're now 4-3. and three. They lost to Notre Dame. They got stomped by Arkansas. BYU's 80th on defense. Um, is the Georgia loss worse than USC at Utah? Depends on what you think about Utah and Georgia. Uh, yes, it is worse because it wasn't even fucking close. But you could argue, well, it was week one. Things are different. Bo Nix has settled down a little bit. I don't know. There's an Oregon resume thing there where I'm not, not 100% sure. We're going to find out very shortly here with the UCLA matchup. USC at 10. 
Caleb Williams on his own 16 with 16 seconds left. I still thought USC had a chance to do something. Um, their defense is 64th in opponents' yards per game. They've lost seven straight now against ranked teams, their longest streak in program history. Utah's got the two losses. I have them at 11th. Going for two to beat USC. They looked like they were toast a little bit earlier. They looked overmatched. Rising is incredible. No Keithy, remember. Kincaid making all those plays. Left the game, came back in. That was such a gutty, classic Kyle Whittingham, Utah win. So I have them 11th. Most people do not have them there. I'll check the rankings again. And Utah is 15th in both polls. Number 12, what's he going to do? Where's Ole Miss? They're 7th. Uh, I do not have them ranked in my top 12. I finished with Oklahoma State. Would you pick Ole Miss to beat Oklahoma State if you're outside of the state of Mississippi? Or let's just say on the other side of Starkville. Ole Miss strength of schedule 109. They gave up 34 points to fucking Auburn, who was 96 in yards per play coming in. Auburn actually went back to TJ Finley for a series. And there was like, nah, this is bad. You'd see TJ Finley tweeted out a stat page. Like he retweeted something talking about how Auburn was the most pressured quarterback grouping in the SEC since whenever. whenever. And you're just like, dude, yeah, that's it. That's it. It's just that. It's everybody else's. I would hate that shit if I were a head coach. I'd be so pissed about it. And again, as soon as he came in, he fucked it up. And uh, they took him right back out again. I'm applying the who would I pick rule here. Uh, Ole Miss is actually favored as of last night against LSU going into Baton Rouge this week. I was a little surprised by that. Uh, I just am not super impressed with them. They've got that Kentucky win by three points at home there. Uh, people are asking for cues. Give me a fucking break. Their strength of schedule is 114. They beat NC State without Leary. So not hearing it. That one's weird. Um, somebody I really respect had him 12th. I respect them less now. Uh, so there you go. Oklahoma State 12. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Before we get to life advice, love doing drafts. Ray, make sure we keep this. So, Saruti so and I are going to do a draft of eight teams each, see how many playoff teams we can get right. Because I do think, and you know, Simmons, when we were doing the over under pod, we all kind of kept laughing when he kept pointing out the playing odds. But I get why he was doing it because there's actually for a few teams some pretty good value if you're like, well, wait, if you think this team is five or six, you know, why not lay down something on a a play-in future, knowing the payout's pretty good on it. Go ahead, you yeah. can check those out at FanDuel, number one sportsbook in America. So, Kyle, who should go first, me or Steve? Steve, no question. Okay. You said that quickly. Yeah, there's still some... No, I'm quick on it today. It's Monday. Some some disdain. I don't know. Sober October. I'm I'm on it. Wait, Sober October? Yeah, well, well, we could talk at Life Advice. This isn't time or place, right? <laughs> wait, wait a second. I don't know. I feel like the NBA takes a backseat to sober <laughs> October. All right, yeah, we'll get to it in Life Advice, I guess. Right. Okay, a so nugget, a little tease. Yeah, a little, <laughs> you do sound pretty fresh. I'm not going to lie to you. Although, I used to love when guys changed October to Rocktober in college. They just put a big R in front of it. Because, like, September was just a warm-up. 
to how hard you're going to have to go for like October. For Rolling Rock. What was the what's the significance? Or... No, not Rolling Rock. <laughs> it's a joke, what are you sorry. watching at bad, close bad range? Joke. <laughs> bad joke. <laughs> what just like rock? Like they were going to go couple hard, of trobes. Yeah, whatever you did in September, you're going to go even harder. One guy tried to go out all 31 nights. Ooh. I think he did it, and then of course you uh, you're making up for it in November. But then you'd have a little break. You know, next thing you know, you're asking for an extension, hoping you took something past fail. Okay, moving on. I, so Steve goes first, huh? I, I always thought it should be who's the fastest. Who's the fastest out of the group? Foot speed. Uh, all three of us right now. We talking like lateral quickness or forty time? Forty time. Uh, I'm actually not that fast, like straight line. I'm 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 quick. Hmm. So I don't know. You're you're six two. You both are taller than me. Bigger strides. I don't know. Kyle, are you fast? Uh, I was fast for alignment in, in high school. I remember that, but uh, the rest of that, I don't know. I think I made up my forty time over the years. I don't even remember what it was anymore. So I don't want to share it. I'd just be propagating a lie. I thought it was pretty yeah. pretty close to like five flat, but who knows. I told you about that. I timed myself and I timed myself wrong. I thought I was running high four or fives. And then I said it to somebody in front of a bar, like in a bar. And I said it in front of the BC uh, strength and conditioning guy who's like this all time legend, like all time fucking legend. And he's hilarious. And he was older than me. And he just basically was like, dude, he's like, at your size, if you're running the fucking four or fives, he's like, you'd be in the league. You wouldn't even be talking <laughs> to us. And, and I was like, like, no, I timed it. And he's like, how did you time it? And then I was like, oh my God. I don't. I mean, again, I'm admitting how fucking stupid I sound right now. I never, ever came close to running something like that, but I convinced myself that I did. It was like your dad timing you down a hill with wind. So you'd be like Bobby Wagner. That was the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was the disdain. Got it. Can you? I wish I could look him up because the guy was fucking awesome. Wait, how old a, were you? This is uh, when you were traveling for was how? Yeah, I don't even know what period of life this was. No, no, no. Or, yeah, I wasn't even 30 yet. I wasn't even 30 okay. yet. I was convinced. I was convinced that I was all of a sudden faster and uh, he just absolutely cut me at the knees in front of the people. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's like, you definitely don't do that. But again, everybody lies about their 40 times. So I guess you could just sort of say I was fitting in. I wish I could remember the guy's name because he was fucking hilarious and awesome at the same time. He was like, he was so cool. He was intimidating. I don't think the average person actually understands how fast four or five is. No, it, I, well, I, I, yeah. this guy does. This guy, because we're so used to like, oh, this guy ran a four two at the combine, like four or five. Yeah, so no, it's like, it's some like loser. You know, nah, just dude. another guy. <laughs> yeah. There's more guys rocking around saying that they ran a four or five than like <laughs> we have we have people with with a second car. I'm just I don't even know what the fuck that means. But all right, all right. back to the draft. All right, Steve goes first. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna take the Bucks. Feel like it's an obvious one. So there you go. I feel like the top of this is gonna be pretty fast. Yeah, there's there's no problem. There. I just writing this down so I can send it to Ray after. Uh, all right, I'll go Warriors. On brand. Uh. Let me is it go. A bad pick? I'll is go. It a bad pick. It's no, no. Uh, I'll go Celtics. All right. Ooh, good one. Good one. I'll go uh, Sixers. Good call. All right. Uh, let's let's look at the West here. Give me. Give me the Nuggets. Okay, I'll take Memphis. Also known as Memphis. Is that actually a thing? Second time I use that joke in a week. Okay. Second time I don't get it. Uh, give me... 
Give me the Clippers. Let's go. People like the Clippers this year. Give me the Clippers. You know what I'm going to do just to fuck all you people? Taking Phoenix with an arrow. Yeah, up. you were absolutely going to get them uh, because they were probably too low on my board. Uh, I'll take, I'll take the Heat. Have them. There'll be a two seed at the end of the year. I, I just feel like, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't like the Heat, but this seems like good value. Okay, this is where the real strategy kicks in. Because there's a team that we should have taken by now, but I already know what's happening because the, the floor is low. The floor is low. Do I take a lower ceiling team? So uh, we, we, we got to first off, establishing the ground rules too. We just get one point for every team that you pick that gets into the playoffs. There's no like seeding doesn't matter. It's just you get a point for a team that makes the playoffs. Yeah, we're just trying yeah. to see how many of these we're going to get right. Because most years, I'd feel like I was going to get at least like six of eight right in both conference. And this year, I think it's a little more challenging. Okay. I mean, Charlotte was a 10 seed with 43 wins last year. How, why did Borrego get fired again? <laughs> Team Borrego. Very pro Borrego <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, I look. I'm hey, just shout asking, out to the Magic. Was, I like him on the Magic. Just asking the question. Okay. See, I kinda, I'm going to do a little gamesmanship here. All right, give me Brooklyn. Okay, I'm I'm cool with that. Uh, I'll take the Raptors. Perfect. I'll take Cleveland. All right. I, so I now got... now we're in like that weird West territory where like most of these teams could be either six seven playing team whatever. Yeah. I I'm gonna go Mavs. I just think Luke is. I mean, I don't. I don't. I love Luca. I'm going to root for him. I want to root for my bet here. So I'll go. He's back. making the playoffs. I mean, yeah. give me a break. Yeah. Right. I yeah. So uh, I'll take New Orleans. Okay. Give me. Magic still available. Magic still available. Yep. Yep. Ooh. Give me the T Wolves. Damn. That was going to be my last one. Safe yeah. bet. They're going to win a lot of games. They're going to win a lot yeah, of games. Yeah. That's my eight. So. Okay, that mean I have to take Atlanta. Mm, Chicago still available. Utah probably not going to take them. Lakers, I take Lakers or Atlanta. I'll take the Lakers. Wow! So we picked. I feel like that was a bad move by you. Was it? So we picked. We picked nine West teams and seven East teams. Okay. You're, Let's you're party. With that. So just to recap, I have Bucks, Celtics, Nuggets, Clippers, Heat, Raptors, Mavs, T-Wolves. You have Warriors, Sixers, Grizzlies, Suns, Nets, Cavs, Pelicans, Lakers. No one picked the Hawks, Bulls, or Knicks. Uh, and the Kings are also off. I know people kind of like the Kings, so we'll see. Kind of like the Kings, but yeah. No uh, magic. Well, go ahead. No magic. Hey. You're, you're too soon. We do this next year. They're, they're a prime candidate. Right. I'm just saying, Wash King, I'm keeping receipts. I can't believe that. Hey, Westbrook off the bench. You never know. Maybe he'll well, finally accept I, his role. I, I kind of know how that's going to go. <laughs> I've got I've got like four Westbrook opens. I'm not sure anybody wants to hear him anymore. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there. The weather was phenomenal. And most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. 
You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday. I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. You want details? Bye. I drive a Ferrari. 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Let's get to life advice. Life advice, the email for submitting your questions, lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. There's been a some thought of do we have a separate life advice like two days a week and then the third day a week we do Judge Kyle. <laughs> where it's just, you know, it's kind of off the am I the asshole, you know, thing that's been super popular. Um, so it's not original or anything. It's like we just have separate, we have two life advice days and then one day is just straight up judgment. Because some of the life advices veer into judgment thing, and if we keep them separate, I don't know, just a thought, just thinking out loud creatively, keeping the audience involved. Get with some this gavel one. sound effects, you know, law and order. Yeah, I like that. Well, Kyle, we just got to follow up on what was happening before. You offered it, so you you tell us what's going on. You just, what are you doing, drying up for 30 plus? Sober October, you know, I would forgot that I was going to do it. I'd said it a while ago. Um, the fiance was a huge fan of that. And I was like, yeah, I could do this. Totally forgot about it. And then on the final day of September, uh, a guy that I usually drink with was like, oh, it's my last day for a while. I'm doing Sober October. I was like, oh, I guess I'll drink for both of us. And then later that day, I threw up. And I was like, fuck, <laughs> I haven't done this in so long. I was like, I came back and I was like, I'm doing Sober October. I remember now. So uh, I did Sober October. It's been a super long month. Had a small break yesterday. Um, but it's halftime, What's that halfway mean? through the, just a small break from sober October yesterday. Um, so you're trying uh, it's, it's half so not sober. <laughs> it's a small break. It's a small break and it's halftime and I haven't been to frolic room at all. So I think really that's what most mostly matters here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I've been feeling great. Um, I sleep well at night. Uh, I'm not going to sleep as early anymore. So me and, uh, me and the fiance are hanging out more at night now. It's great. She's, she's liking that. Um, it's been good. Wow. Small break yesterday, but it's it's. I think if I do it next year, I will I will incorporate a halftime drinks at halftime, um, which would be like the fifteenth or the sixteenth of the month. So, um, but other than that, it's been really good. I had a buddy who used to do February every year. He was like, "Oh, it's the shortest month." It is the shortest month. But the, the real reason I think he liked doing it is because he told everybody, "Just like, yeah. oh, no drinking." It's like being a vegan. Yeah. yeah, and you're like, okay, cool, dude, don't drink. He's like, "Oh, I'm not gonna be seeing you guys. Like, you still fucking come hang out with us. Like, what are you talking about?" <laughs> Do you go to, so you won't go to the frolic room and just have some club sodas? Um, no, I'm not interested. I mean, that'll, you only get one halftime, you know, per game. Yeah. So I just think it'll be, it'd be too many, be too many halftimes if I did that. Um, I got my, on Saturday, I got my first, like, where the fuck are you, pal? What's going on? Um, and I was, re I had nothing to do. And I just went out and I got myself a pedicure just to do something for me, you know? Whoa. So I added a, added a 20 minute massage on. What? You don't, you never got a pedicure? 
No, I haven't. I'm not judging. I'm just surprised. I just needed to do something. I was like, I got to get out of the house. And if I don't have somewhere to go, I'm just going to walk like a zombie to the frolic room. So I just went and I got a, just did a walk-in pedicure, you know, nothing on the nails, just, just clean up the dogs a little bit and then throw a little, yeah. yeah, And then throw, I got to get the cow. I've been doing a lot of walking, as you know. So I did the callus remover. That's impressive how much comes off when they do that cheese grater thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, there was another girl like directly looking at me. I could just tell her seeing, like staring at the pile of, of, of dead feet on the floor, you know, as they were, they were scraping. So, but I did, did something for me and I I almost broke down on Saturday and then I went and broke down on Sunday, but it's halftime and that's how we're going to do it moving forward. (laughs) So you drank both days this weekend, but it's sober. No, no, didn't drink Saturday. I went and got a pedicure instead of drinking. You know what I mean? I'm just finding ways to fill that. But Sunday I did drink. Okay. All right. Whatever. No judgment. We're just, you know. So we're to figure it out. If it's still, if it's 30 of 31 days, I mean, it's still, it's still that's pretty good. Effort. I think yeah, that's I mean, like a month. That's why right. most yeah. people would say that's a month. Yeah. Most people would. Some yeah. months are 30 days. Correct. <laughs> 30 out of 31. Okay. Let's get to the advice here. I like this one. It's simple, but I, I think it's complex. And then we have two other ones that I just think I'm going to throw on. Uh, as There's one that's a follow-up and then there's another one that's a request. All right, here we go. Barbro, three, uh, 30, <laughs> three, seven, 37, three, seven. different email. Yeah. Hey guys, check it in. I'm three, seven. Nope. He's 37. He's six, five. He's two sixty. He's way past our, yeah. what was it? Six, five, two forty is the don't. I think we were six, four. six, four. I think we yeah. were six, six, four is tall enough. Six, four, two forty is what we said. Yeah. Right. This guy's past it. Uh, pushed three wheels in January. He's lost about 25 pounds since then. Nice. I've seen punters on Madden combines that can rep 235 more than I can. It's 225 of the combine, just quick correction. The other day, I finished a work event and went to the sports bar a block away from my loft to watch Thursday night football. This guy's got a loft. Two of my friends, were, by the way, loft can be amazing. It can also be not that sweet. As somebody who was <laughs> in a loft, a loft early in his 20s, that was not. But sometimes lofts are sick. So uh, two of my friends were seated at the bar and I stood in between them and got my drink and started watching the game. About 10 minutes later, I heard this guy talking shit about this douchebag in a suit standing in his way. I work as a lobbyist and I, I get I was overdressed for the bar. By the way, a suit in a bar every now and then, I got no problem with it. No. I think it shows your dedication to the bar. If you're in a suit, you can't waste the day. You should probably actually go into a bar just to let people see you, even if you don't. Yeah, right. I used to do it after TV sometimes. Only so somebody would be like, well, are you in a suit? Did you loosen the Hopefully tie not. a little bit or did you go? Hopefully no not dudes. Now, I remember like, look, I just, I will share with you how fucking lame I can be at times or have been in the past. But like I, there was a bartender I liked and I went up suit and was like, oh, can I get a wet napkin? And she was like, okay. I was like, I have makeup on. She was like, oh, why do you have makeup on? <laughs> Boom. Icebreaker. <laughs> nice. oh, wow. There you go. It was all I kind of fucking- hate it, but that's <laughs> all right. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't even want to tell you guys, but I just, <laughs> I feel like I always have to, you know, oh, know where keep you myself, from, man. No, that's good. Yeah. So, uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I was just, uh, I was on TV. I, I think it was on earlier. I think it's come. I think the replay's coming yeah. up at 1030. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you guys have DVR. <laughs> you guys, you guys get Comcast. Lou Tilly sports connection. Uh, it was not post Lou Tilly sports connection. That's a throwback. Um, uh, Stephen A. Stephen A. That was the original first take. Just him and I going at each other. Oh three. 
ought three. Okay, fucking email, Ryan. Focus. All right, so he gets his overdressed. I didn't want to change. The game had already started. I turned around and genuinely tried to apologize. I get it. I'm big, and it can be inconvenient for people behind me. Side note, I got way into John Mulaney during COVID and probably picked up some of his speaking cadences and definitely his hand flip. During my apology, this guy accused me of being condescending. I was legitimately trying to be earnest, but that set me off, and I definitely became much more condescending afterward. Eventually, I let him tell me where to stand, and then once I cooled down, I decided to buy him a drink and offer an olive branch. I could totally see this guy being like, okay, where should I stand? Should I stand over here? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, Mulaney, like, you got a lot of size on him. I have one friend who, ironically, is the other way around. We tell him he's like 5'9", but a good 5'9". If he were 6'1", we're like, you would have gotten your ass kicked way more often. But because you were 5'9", guys wouldn't, they'd just be like, whatever, I'm not going to beat this dude up. You're on the other side of this. So if you're admitting that you can be, or you were sort of like Mulaney condescending, Mulaney to me is like a superiority thing. That's how it would come off. Uh, again, I'm not super locked into Mulaney, but I know every comedian loves him. And when I do watch the videos, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I totally get this. Uh, anyway, so you're telling him, hey, where should I stand? Where should I stand? So he decides the emailer to buy him a drink and offer an olive branch. He basically told me to fuck off and I gave the drink to his friend. But see, this guy already thinks you're being super condescending and you buy one drink for him and then bring it over and it's not totally sincere and whatever. This other guy, by the way, he's at a bar watching the game. I get you blocking the TV and that sort of sucks. But the fact that he's stepping to you at 65260 and like what, having three transactions with you where he's telling you off, stones on this guy. All this is fine, but now I see him almost, almost every Sunday and he stares at me at the bar. How big is this guy? I have a loud personality. Rosillo would probably hate me if he saw me somewhere because I want to talk to everyone if they are willing. Mm. And if my team isn't playing, I like cheering for whatever the team, the people sitting next to me are cheering for. I can tell it's just pissing this guy off the whole time. I think this guy probably sucks, but I'd rather settle things because I know, especially after a few drinks, I might say something if he keeps having a problem. I would never want to fight because I'm an adult, but if it came to it, I'm not worried about him. All right, so now we now have a great the profile way to of this guy. Right, right. How do I fix this? Maybe this guy just sucks. I mean, this I like the emailer, honestly. I like the emailer a lot. He thinks you wouldn't, so that's good. Well, I don't understand well, why he has never to hung fix out with him. Shocker. He cares. I, you know, this this is somebody, some people care, some people don't care. We'll put this guy in the category of the fact that he cares about how he's perceived. I mean, you're right, Saruti. Maybe you just go fuck that other guy. Like, why do you care? Um, that's probably the simplest way. Like, you're really going to worry about this other random guy that you are, like, you're not going to be friends with him. You're clearly not going to connect. Uh, it's, it's probably irreparable at this point. It's very irreparable with dudes, unless you get totally drunk together and you're just like, you know, you're all right, dude. Yeah, man. <laughs> like, you know what? I was wrong about you. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get a place together. Um, I think, uh, I, I, I feel like this other guy's kind of a stiff man. I think he's kind of a stiff unless I'm reading this email completely wrong, which some people will suggest that this guy's actually the asshole. And the other dude was like, look, you're in the way. Now you're being condescending. You bought me one drink from the table to kind of like show me up a little bit. And yeah, now every week, I don't know. Why is the other guy going to stare at him? Like, you're going to do anything? You're not going to do anything. So you're just going to stare at this guy the whole fucking time. So uh, I don't know. I side with the emailer because the other guy, like, who cares? None of this is everybody should get all over. Like listening to this should make you want to get over other things that are going on in your life because none of this is important. Yeah, I mean. Spent there's, 10 minutes there's on There's so much of an easier way to, to do that. Like I was I was at uh, a place yesterday, a lot of TVs. Pats were only on one small, the smallest TV with the worst brightness, Brown's whatever. Game. What Come can on. you do? 
Yeah. What LA, what'd you expect? Um, so, <laughs> so there was, you know, it's, there's tables and there's a whole bar and there's just kind of area where you're you're not really supposed to be in. It's a high traffic area for the servers. They're 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 trying to do a lot of stuff. It's crazy hectic. So sometimes people just go up to the bar. They don't want to wait for their server. And then there's another guy who's like sees his friend and he's like I'm like I'm watching him as he's like inching in towards my view. The waiters are all like I was getting upset in my head. I'm like look, the waiters are like you know dancing around him with like you know trays full of beer and food and stuff. And this guy's he's like slowly creeping in as he's like shuffling around into my view. And I got really upset. And I was just like, I just tapped. I was like, hey, man, you might take it like one step to the left. And I, immediately he just sat down at an empty seat. And I was like, great. That's what you should have done. You shouldn't be standing in front of a bar full of TVs when there's no space. So there's a, a total easy way, even if you're fucking pissed, to just be like, hey, man, you might just step in two steps to the left. Instead of being like, look at this jerk off in the suit. What I would ask is, is this guy like intricate, like inter integral to the bar. Like, is he like, is he always there? God forbid. Like, that's the one thing I like. Is about he a Frolic P1 room. A Frolic Room? Yeah, that's what I'm mm -hmm. saying. Like, that's what I always liked about Frolic Room is I was always sort of like, look, God forbid anything happens. Same way with Dark Room. Like, the other guy's leaving unless he, I'm fighting. Like, I mean, I'm, I don't even want to talk about fighting. I just mean, even if it's like a right. screaming match, if whatever. it goes down, if anything happens, if out. someone has to leave, it's not me. Is that the case with this guy? Or is he just an asshole that decides that, you know, this bar lets me be here and I'm here all the time being ornery to random people? Like, I'd figure out what kind of guy that is to the bar. If if he's going to be there and he's like, you know, going to have his picture on the wall one day, maybe uh, maybe you should patch things up in some way. But like, that doesn't mean you have to be like hat and hand. You can be like, hey, man, what the fuck is going on? Like, what's the problem? I don't understand. You haven't seen me trying to patch this up. Otherwise, I wouldn't I wouldn't care. But if you find out he's like a tier one bar guy that's been there for 10 years and is going to be there until he's dead, um, maybe you should try to patch it up if you want to keep making that your place. But you don't have, but by no means do you have to be like, I'm so sorry. You could just be like, hey, man, I just want to know what the hell's going on. It also sounds like he he might have typecasted you like he saw you. He might not be a suit guy. Maybe he works, you know. Maybe he's like an outdoors guy, works construction, whatever. And he sees this guy in a suit who's in his way and then is like kind of a douchebag condescending to him. And he's just like, that's you just like it's a trifecta of like this guy's a douchebag. And even though you aren't a douchebag, there's really not much you're going to be able to do to change his mind. What I mean, I guess if you're always there and he's always staring at you, could you just like keep feeding him drinks every single time you're there? No. And just be like, hey, this is from the guy over there in the corner. <laughs> and I'll print and some apps, no. some poppers. I, maybe. Or yeah, I, I don't know. Like maybe like if you really want to do this force him to like confront you and then you can be like hey man like i didn't mean any ill will by this <laughs> i see friendship. you i see you eyeing me like i'm a friendly guy maybe we got off on the wrong foot again i personally wouldn't give a shit i, I don't I, I know it's easy to say because this guy clearly is bothered by it but i think if you really want to do it you got to find an excuse to like actually get up in his business and talk to him yeah i think what happened here is this guy's big he's in a suit he's a lobbyist so he probably has the absolute alpha of alpha personalities he's on precarious. paper yeah right well, I wasn't going there. No, I'm I mean, like, I mean, I, the three things he's suit. He's not self-aware at the bar in the way of a TV. And he was condescending John Mulaney to this guy. Like, it's kind of like it's not a good start. Yeah, but I'm just telling you the gregarious guy who's kind of the. this sounds like this guy's kind of like a center of attention to be a lobbyist, man. You're going to be wired a certain way. Right. And so that can be really beneficial to making friends and all that kind of stuff. But like, if you have no attachment to him and you're just sizing him up and you're the other guy, I mean, it sounds like those are guys from some part of Boston, whether it's Southie, West Roxbury, Roxbury, or Dorchester. And he is, is sitting there going, this is, you know, this guy sucks. Who's he think he is? Like, you know, I don't know. I, I you tried, you probably fucked it up a little bit. You probably were kind of a dick. <laughs> When you asked, where should I stand? I'm sure it wasn't like, 
sincere. Totally. So again, why do you care? You're right, Sarudi. Why do you want to be friends with this other guy? You're just going to look at each other. No one's ever going to do anything. You don't want to, and you're pretty big. So you told us you're not worried about him. So maybe unless he's, you know, unless he's turning wretches or uh, he's a Mason, you know. I got one thing I would say. Maybe it's an easy way to try it. Maybe you could go in. If if this is your bar, you know, what I've done when I wanted to like let somebody know that we can like talk or, or if I want to see what the deal is, you know, there's probably a couple people that you go say hello to either when they come in or when you come in. You could just add him to your list and just see what happens the first time. Be like, hey, what's up, man? Like, d- make sure he's not the first person you say hello to, but maybe you could add it to him, uh, you know, add it to your path when you walk in there and you're like, oh, fucking Jim's here. They're sharing. And this guy. Like, Sharon. You know, I She's don't in town. Yeah. <laughs> I just mean, maybe you could add him to your list of people just to see what it is. If you're like, maybe this guy's got a weird eye thing and it looks like he's staring at me. He's not. Are you positive? Maybe you just want to see what he's like uh, when when you're straight up to him, because I'm sure you haven't done that in a long time. So I would just I would maybe add him to your route of hellos, either when he comes in or when you come in and just see what happens. <laughs> I, I like that. And then you could be like, hey, man, what are you drinking? Like, let's make this right. Go to the bar. Why do you want to keep buying this guy a drink, man? Whatever. It's, it's, I don't know. Because, like, this guy's <laughs> a lobbyist. He's been buying drinks for years. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a company expense. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think we got to. We we think we did enough time on that one. This is a life advice where somebody's actually going to help us, help everybody. Uh, for those, this is a follow up to the Asian doctor who can't get dates. Uh, one of my Asian friends, can you say that? Reached out to me after, and she said, actually, it's very true that that Asian men are the most rejected demographic on dating apps. Damn. I think some of it has to do with the population numbers. You know, I think that's that's a fair thing to say. But uh, yeah. All right. So this guy's got a plan. This is actually I would normally never read this, but it was so good. Kyle, great eyes out of you. Thanks. Always seeing where the safety help is. He uh, I read it was like, maybe we just share this with the crew. A lot of guys are always asking about how to meet people. So here we go. Six, four, 230 pounds used to be over 300 pounds most of my life. Thanks for the seated shoulder press recommendation. We're saving, we're saving scapulas all over the place. Anyway, the apps are 100% the way to go, Asian or not, and the return on investment of swiping from the comfort of your home is unmatched. I have procured countless matches and dates with girls out of my league via apps, even while being well over 300 pounds. Christ, dude. Bro. Are you really? ever sitting at a table alone <laughs> after she <laughs> comes back from the bathroom? Right. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. We're going to keep going. What is this guy selling us? Right. Well, I can't tell you how to maintain a positive relationship. I can help you procure some dates via the apps. This almost feels a little copy and pasted, but again, it, it was really good. So here we go. Guys are like, get to it. This will 10 times your matches. 10 times. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Sounds like a spam email. <laughs> Most guys have shitty profiles. There are more guys than girls in these apps. Not having a good profile makes you non-existent. A good profile means photos and a bio. Women will study your profile like the Torah. Have photos that tell a story about who you are, not gym selfies of pics of you in front of a car. Wait, what? The more candid the photos, the better. Good photos are ones on vacation with groups of friends cuddling your dog. Guys starting to get a little warmed up here, aren't we? (laughs) Now we're like, wait, this guy's fucking onto something. Or out to dinner. Need to paint a picture of what life would you would be like. And remember to smile. For the Asian doctor, I definitely have an action shot of him in scrubs 
or him mm. posing with a patient. Yep. Cheesy, but works. That was in italics to emphasize that. Uh, if you're 5'7", say, I'm the same height as Tom Cruise or I'm taller than Kevin Hart. You want to own being a short king. <laughs> Jesus, this guy might have the secret sauce. The same height as Tom Cruise sounds way fucking better than 5'7". For our doctor, I'd add something more cheesy about how he's achieved a level of success and is ready to share his life with someone or talk about the fragility of life you see working in the ER, want to live out that moment or live in the moment with someone, not someone you would want to live out that moment with someone dying. Live in the moment with someone. A little cheesy, but I think he's right. Women are trying to figure out what is he looking for. The key is once you match, keep it entertaining and do your best to get them to meet up with you for a drink, not dinner. You don't want to be at dinner with a disaster. Drink, short time frame. Got to strike while the iron is hot. You know what I like about the drink too is that you can get out. You can be way up in the game and be like, all right, this has been my best, my best shit, my best material in, out. You get a little taste of this. Now I'm out of here. We're not going to. Who knows how day. long drinks are? Who yeah, knows right. how long they are? They could be 30 minutes. They could be two hours. It could be three-day bender. You'd end up with yeah. Minuski at the VFW <laughs> on a Tuesday. <laughs> Happened. Not to me. Also, don't open any hey or what's up. Uh, that's what the other matches are doing. Don't open with hey or what's up. How the fuck are you supposed to open? Uh, use an opener like, quote, I already cleared you out a drawer at my place. I don't know. Wow, that's aggressive. I don't like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now you have me until this point. You're yeah. losing me, pal. <laughs> Or my go-to, quote, I hope you're not just after me for my dog. Not terrible. I don't hate that. I'm pro I don't dog, hate that. so, you know, yeah. People love dogs. You know what kind of numbers dog tweets get? You got a dog fucking in a popsicle, that's 20,000 retweets. I might do a couple this week. Have it be dog week on the show? Just, just we don't deserve dogs. That, that should be in your bio. 13 out of 10. There yeah, you we go. Don't deserve, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also you want to avoid these red flags in the apps girls with only face pics just i have to just i just have to add this guy said he was over 300 pounds but i guess he he just did full full body maybe he carries it well yeah yeah he probably does maybe maybe he's a lobbyist any girl who lists a bunch of stuff she doesn't want toxic vibes any eastern european all right we're just Wow. Clearing out the entire Eastern Bloc. I don't know. Have you seen the pictures? Have you been to Estonia? <laughs> All professional models. They're just there to build their socials. Uh, for any girl that was in Dubai, we actually, I think, brought that up. So we agree. Dubai's, oh, weekends in Dubai reminds me of Dubai. A lot of acronyms in their profile. You're looking to go on dates, not protest. Hope this helps. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is just his personal preference, but okay. Like towards the end, those became more. I think there's some real nuggets in here. Gabe. There is. There are. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It was like helpful, and then it sort of roller coasted into a manifesto. But it's all right. We never. We didn't have to read chapter two, so we can just leave it there. Uh, that was well written. <laughs> that was well written. Okay, there, but guess. here's the thing: is I know where this guy is reaching out from. He's in another country, and his vibe and phrasing checks out. And it okay. would, if you knew the city that he was hitting us up from, which I'm not going to share, but if you knew the city he was hitting us up from, you would be like, okay, all right. And by the way, this guy wants to, maybe Kyle had us read this because he wants to plan, um, he wants to work with Kyle on something. Awesome. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay. Um, I can't he said tell. He's, like he said he's from a city 
that is considered every girl being a Boston 12 with the morals of a Philly four. Wow. That's a violent oh, shit, combo. Pal. Yeah. Man. Kyle, do you want me to put, well, I could, Kyle could just email him back, I guess. Yeah, I guess I, mean, I just, I just start it. You know, I don't always, there's a lot to read. I just like the favorite yeah. things to let you decide. No, it's a good, it's a good system. Kyle, it sounded like you had something more sturdy. No, I just, it, it felt dangerously close to like a Buzzfeed article, but like, with a different tone you're like all those things seem really obvious right but none of we didn't really think of any of them but they're like yeah okay that checks out like yeah i thought of lead with a joke don't don't leave with hey what's up like okay yeah that makes sense no the hey what's up like that stuff's up there's some real good stuff in there shit i don't even well again i almost wanted to create a dating app just after this where it would be me with like 17 of my best friends that aren't friends at some steak dinner and we're all like yeah this is awesome because like that's the thing is you have to look for if you're serious about like you know, you're not just trying to have sex, but if you're seriously like trying to hope, if you see somebody who's never with anyone else in the pictures, yeah, you're like, wait a minute. The best What's point it? about of all, I think, what like you should have a picture in Scrubs, 100, percent 100. percent That's a no brainer. I'm mad we didn't think about that. Potentially, like, even yeah, saving someone's life, like you have like the, the flat line, and all of a sudden they, their back spiking up again. You give a thumbs up, like the doctor thing sells. If you're not selling that in your profile, like you're obviously missing out. So Something I'm mad like we missed that last week. Went two for three on saving lives, but that's still a Hall of Famer in baseball. <laughs> you know, she likes, she's like, hey, let's play two. Okay, last uh, one. Uh, here's the title. I want to fight Ryan on Rough and Rowdy. Oh, boy. Okay. What's up, guys? Six foot, 41 years old, 205. Stopped lifting a month after COVID hit and failed to stop, start back up. Um, but did TRT at max prescribed levels uh, and that prevented muscle loss? Not that Ryan knows about that. Wink, wink. I don't know if that's a compliment or if he's talking shit. I imagine if you start with, I want to fight you. Shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, if you're talking about the TRT stuff, you're right. I don't. We're talking uh, testosterone. Is that what we're talking about? TRT? What are we talking about? Yeah. No, no. All natty, okay. bro. Yeah. 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 All natty over here. Have Have definitely heard about how much better your injuries feel and have definitely gone wait so there's something i'm just not going to feel like this anymore i haven't done it um i want to preface this email so this guy's not even going to pass the piss test that he wants to fight me although rough and rowdy i don't imagine it's a really intense (laughs) screening process can't imagine that's street legal yeah yeah it's probably (laughs) more like probation than uh parole you know what i mean we had three middleweights test positive for meth that's all right (laughs) that's all right i open them is this the deaf leopard guy throw him out there all right (laughs) So um, I want to preface this email by saying I love this podcast and Ryan in particular. I've listened from the start of Rosillo and SVP when Ryan's name wasn't even on it. Thank you. That being said, I want to fight Ryan on Rough and Rowdy. I'm not a great fighter. Okay. I'm two and four in street fights. That's fucking awesome. That wow. You know your street fight <laughs> record, amazing. though. Yeah. yeah. He said the last one was in 2005. So 17 years. Oh, all right. I have twin 14-year-old high school freshman sons and want to teach them a lesson. You can do anything you set your mind to, even if it means getting your face beat in by your favorite podcaster. I'm willing to donate my winning purse to charity. Wait, so you just gave yourself the W here, huh? I'm also aware that Ryan is punching above my weight class. I'll settle for fighting Kyle if Ryan attends the match. I'll fuck Kyle up, to be honest. Wow. Hostile. Okay. He's way too slow. Man, everybody wants to work with me. 
Yeah, we had one. Yeah, the other email was far more positive. Uh, I won't fight Saruti. I'm a man. I'm 40, and Saruti loves European soccer. <laughs> okay, I won't fight you either, dude. Sorry, sorry to bum, <laughs> sorry to bum you out. Okay, uh, I'm dead serious about this. I'll fight. I'm a fighter. I'll include a pick of me currently. All right, it's not. It's not the most intimidating picture ever. There's some accessories going on back here that in the household that are more intimidating. Um, like nunchucks? No, I, I guess the guy likes to fight. I'd imagine you'd be more in six street fights unless there were more things going on. Uh, I don't know why he wants to come at Kyle. Like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like it at yeah. all, actually. I was okay with it. Kind of. I mean, here's the thing. is like, what do you have? You have everything to lose, Ryan. Like, this is... This is, this, is like Le, this is like LeBron entering the dunk contest. Like, at this point, the only reason he would, like, there's just nothing to gain for him. And it's the same thing for you here. So I don't get it. I don't like the hostility towards Kyle. I'm, I'm kind of put off by the email now. I'm not doing it because I'm not going to make enough money off of it. Like, why what, would, Is there a dollar amount that you, there's, there, I, I was going to say, there's no dollar amount that you even do this for. To fight somebody? There, yeah, yeah there is. on Rough and Rowdy. <laughs> what is like some random, like, high school gym in West Virginia? Well, I don't know. I mean, you know, eventually we all have a number for everything, I think. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I want to focus back on the Kyle assumption here, though. Why would this guy then is putting me, although he assumed a win for himself by donating the money to charity, he's putting he's putting me way higher above Kyle than he should at this point. You know, I'm older. How old are you, Kyle? Are you not even 30 I'm 28. yet? Right? 28. Yeah, I'm 28. I'll be 29 in November. I think What's Kyle you? could fuck some guys up. I think I could fuck this guy. Yeah. I don't even know what he looks like. I'm just listening to what he said. I'm just more surprised as a guy who's got 14 year old freshman. How do you now deciding you don't really have much to lose? You look at you look at rough and rowdy, and it seems like those guys normally are like it's more of like the hilarity factor of it, right? It's like wow, look at these two fucking crazy people. Like I just I'm just surprised that you know a guy with twins. I mean, twins is a lot of work. I think anybody would know. Uh, even without having kids, I'm just surprised that he's like deciding he's got nothing to lose while his kids are still like. <laughs> You know, going through yeah, high school. Like, I think just, just, that sounds I'll, crazy. Honestly, I, I think he just wanted to write a funny. Email I want to. I want to prove to my kids you could do anything. So I'm just going to fight some <laughs> random stranger. Like, what? okay, yeah. cool, sick lesson, dude. Um, Kyle, what's your street fight record? Uh, I don't ever remember loot like anything that's a clear loss. I mean, I haven't been. I've been <laughs> oh, in like undefeated. two fights. Yeah, I mean, I could. We could probably say undefeated. Yeah, I mean, I can remember like two in Los Angeles. I mean, college sort of sometimes it gets messy when it's just like, I don't know what the college all of a sudden, every, tough. you're not quite all sure. Of a sudden, like, everybody's around. And is it's that like, a man, win? We got out of there. Yeah. Did I lose? You know, it's icy out. You know, there's blood <laughs> on the snow. It's not mine. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's icy. Um, <laughs> it's but icy yeah. out. I'm not taking the L. But um, I don't know. It's just um, <laughs> it's a draw. It's been a while for me, too. I'm just surprised that this guy, after, I mean, it definitely hasn't been 17 years for me. It's probably been more since uh, 2016. So uh, it definitely hasn't been 16 years, pal. I don't uh, I don't like the assumption that he would smoke Kyle. I think he just wanted to write in an email here a little bit. He's kind of assuming the win, but also, uh, I don't know. And honestly, most of those fights, like, do you know how hard it is to be actually conditioned to fight? So everybody goes in. I'll be like, oh, I've been, I've been taking lessons. I've been doing all this shit. I've been doing it for like six to eight weeks. I've been training for this fight. I've been training. In 30 seconds, everybody's fucking exhausted. Totally. Swinging from the fucking 
shoelaces. So I remember, uh, is, is it straight boxing? I'm not 100%. Yeah, I would it. street fight him before boxing. That's for sure. But, but rough and rowdy's not, it's boxing, right? It's not like it's boxing floor stuff. Okay. Yeah, it's boxing. yeah I mean, I mean, I, I took some boxing classes and like, all right, yeah, everyone thinks, like, yeah, I'll throw a couple punches. The hardest part, like I did three rounds with some like amateur guy. It was like part of like the, the final or whatever. And the hardest part is just holding your hands up for three rounds, like moving around. Like it's, it's hard. Like it's not easy to like even just defend yourself while throwing punches. Like I, I man, I don't know. In summation, don't underestimate Kyle. You know where I'm at, too. Once Sober October is over. So, you know, if you ever want to, if you're going to take a trip to West Virginia, might as well take a better one to LA. What if we send you to fight in it, Kyle? No, because again, it's boxing. Like, I wouldn't want to box because you I, want like, to get, I want to throw my fucking weight around. I got all this shit. He's a grappler. For, you know, yeah, I want to yeah. throw my weight around. Yeah. If it's, if it's looking south, then I, I got a whole nother way to, to sort of try to tip the scale. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't box you. I think, I think you're a bit of a loser Kamara, for bringing this up, like but that. uh, that's fine. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't. Uh, well, I think we're good. I think we covered it here. <laughs> Thanks for the email, though. Okay. Good luck with the twins. Well, Good I luck with your have... rage, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look. I'm not dismissing him at all. I just, I, I think he just wanted to write an email in. So there you go. Yeah. Good for you. The email made it. I expected when it said I want to fight Rosillo, it was going to be like, you know, a Daniel Jones or a Tua fan or something or yeah. like, you know, Westbrook's relative. I, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know where that was going. So there you go. Okay. Uh, Wednesday, we'll have some more hoop stuff because we did very little today with the season starting on Tuesday. So be locked in for that. Uh, as we mentioned at the top, thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Saruti, Ryan Russell podcast. Please subscribe, ring or Spotify. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.